What's the worst part about breaking four tackles and running into the end zone for the game-winning touchdown? Not having your Wayfair still with you to protect your eyes from all the flashbulbs. Sounders, keep your shades anchored and where they belong during life's greatest feats. Head to soundergoods.com and use promo code KTTC to get 10% off and free shipping with any order. You're listening to the Keefe to the City Podcast. Here's Neil Keefe. All right, so we made it through the 59-day gauntlet that is January and February. We came out on the other side to March. I thought maybe we'd get a hint of spring. Instead, uh, we got a little snowstorm here in New York City. Uh, but at least it's trade deadline day in the NHL today to, to get us through as we uh, inch closer to March Madness, inch closer to the NHL playoffs, and, of course, opening day for baseball. And joining me today to talk about the NHL and the moves the Rangers made on Sunday to sort of uh, get the ball really rolling for deadline day is Brian Monzo of WFAN, producer for Mike Son, Francesa on the fan, also on Fox Sports 1. Monzo, I know uh, you've got you know three kids, another one on the way. You've got Kentucky Derby Day, the day the horse racetrack opens, um, WrestleMania, but deadline day for you must rank somewhere among the top of those days. Uh, you know, it's, uh, it's 1A between WrestleMania. So, uh, you know... The good news about today, the, the reason why the Kentucky Derby and most sports-related things don't pop is because I'm guaranteed not to lose money on this. So, uh, you know, it's a, it's a great day. It's, uh, it's exciting. I get up early. I've been up since 5 o'clock in the morning. I had my car heat up for six hours because it was frozen. Um, and I'm ready to go. Well, the Rangers, uh, they sort of made their own deadline day on Sunday, uh, you know, moving around pieces, trying to make the team better for their cup run this year. Uh, the biggest move, of course, is getting Keith Yandel from Arizona. In return, they get they give up Declare, they give up John Moore, they give up a first-round pick, they get back um, Yandel's, the, Duke, the guy Summers, who will probably just be sent to Hartford if he hasn't been already, and a fourth-round pick, and... This is sort of the biggest move yet of the trade deadline, at least when it comes uh, to the Rangers. They've had some other minor moves we'll get to. But Keith Yandel, you know, arguably the best offensive defenseman in the NHL, comes to the Rangers, something they haven't had in a very long time. But they give up Duclair, who's like their one real true, true gold chip prospect uh, for the future. Um, they lose John Moore, who is sort of um, in, not the biggest deal because he's not even in the lineup most of the time, battling with Matt Hungwick for that sixth spot. But... Keith Yandel comes to the Rangers. I'm a guy who's always about giving up the prospects. You know, we were both on board giving up Kreider for Nash a few, three years ago. Uh, I always will give up the prospects for the proven talent. For Duclair, though, things seem different. It seemed like he was a lot closer to the NHL than some of these other guys have been in recent years with the Rangers. But I guess Glenn Sather's going all in, and now the only thing is if they don't win the Cup um, this year, then Yandel's going to be an unrestricted free agent at the end of the next year. They'll probably do this. Uh, dance where you know he threatens to to get rid of the player if he doesn't sign a deal. So really, have a one year window now with this player. Whereas Duclair was a 19 year old kid in the future ahead of him. What are your feelings on this move? You know, I, I, even though they haven't even played a game yet, we don't know how it will play out. Well, my, I think my initial reaction might have been kind of the same as yours, where where I saw the name Yandel and I was like, wow, and then I saw the name Duclair and I, I hesitated a little bit. But then when reality sank in, um, to to which Duclair, while, you know, he showed some glimpses, and I know he's been playing well, uh, he's still an unknown. And I'm always uh, okay with giving up the unknown for what's known. And Yandel's only 28, and you also got to remember next year, Dan Boyle comes off the books, 
opening up some money to re-sign Yandel. So I think, you know, as long as he wants to continue to play in New York, uh, there's a good chance they will re-sign him. But, no, my, my initial reaction to the trade off the, you know, first 30 seconds of not believing it was declared is that it's, it's a must-do move. Uh, the Rangers have plenty of young players that they can afford to give up the two draft picks second next year, the first next year. Um, you know, Crider's still young. Hayes, obviously, was a huge find. Uh, they, uh, there's plenty of young players in the system. Brady Shea, another defenseman, uh, they got in the first round a couple of years ago. So it's not like they have no youth and they're completely all in. But, no, this is a must-do move. And, I, you know, I still go back to what you said about the Crider thing. I still would have traded Crider for Nash. And, uh, you know, if I'm a Mets fan, uh, I trade, you know, two or three of those pitching studs for Troy Tulowitzki. So, I mean, if you're not doing your fan base justice, if you're not trading some of your assets for must-win players now, and that's exactly what the Rangers did. And I think you're, you're pretty accurate. They're all in for this season and next season. So and it's the time. You know, remember, the, we talked about before, it's the window at one quick. I know he's not playing right now, but that window closes in probably four or five years of him being a top-notch goalie. They got to win one between now and then, and this move certainly put them right back in position to get to the Stanley Cup final again this year. Well, when you think about what it took for them to get to the finals last year, you know, winning a game seven against the Flyers, having to come back against the Penguins, winning game seven, needing six games against the Carey Priceless Canadians, and then uh, getting finally to the final, and then blowing the games with the two goal leads and all the overtime losses, and it's so hard to get to the Stanley Cup final. The things that have to go your way, the health that you need to sustain, um, and you know, last year was sort of a down year for the Eastern Conference because really when you looked around, I mean, the Flyers, we thought we, they'd walk through them a lot easier than they did. And then you're stuck with, you know, Boston, Montreal, and Pittsburgh. All were pretty good teams last year. All could have easily reached the Stanley Cup final. Uh, but this year things are different where every single team that's going to make the playoffs really, really, really has a chance to run it and get to the final. And I think, you know, to make this statement to sort of go all in this season when you could easily be out in the first round and it wouldn't be a shocker to the Rangers if they were to lose – you know, in the first round and go home and to sacrifice the future right at this moment. It's, I don't know. It's like a catch 22 because I do understand, you know, I've always complained about wasting Henrik Lundqvist prime and not putting the team around him that you need to win. Um, but then at the same time, it's almost like, well, you gave up to declare who is technically NHL ready now. And you're going in in a season where the rest of the East is so stacked and so deep that losing in the first round wouldn't be that big of a deal. It's just hard to sort of sort things out and, and really decide if it was a good move or not. Well, I think all the Rangers can do is, is worry about themselves, not the other teams. Uh, they see themselves. As the, I honestly think the Rangers are the top team in the East. Um, you know, the other obviously the Canadians are the other team uh, you worry about. I think the Rangers are still better than the Islanders. I think one Chris over Halak any day of the week. I mean, let's not even talk about Pittsburgh. I mean, they got Mark Andre Fleury as the goalie. Enough said. Um, you, you go up and down. Obviously, the Rangers have had some issues with the Lightning, but still, that's a young team. You don't know exactly how great Ben Bishop can be in the playoffs. So, uh, I think the Rangers are not looking at the other teams and saying, "Well, this is a tough year because every other team is good." The Rangers know how good they are. Uh, everybody knows how good they are when they play their game. I think, I think they're the best team. I think they could be the best team in the league, not just the Eastern Conference. I think adding a piece like Yandel, the one thing that has struggled amazingly enough has been the power play. And Dan Boyle, who I was all about bringing in, has struggled. You know, he had the broken hand, then he had the mumps, and, you know, so, I mean, he's had some issues health-wise. But now you can move him to the second power play unit. you got Keith Yandel, who honestly is their number one defenseman now. I know McDonough will be the number one, and he should be, you know, but I don't think those titles really mean much. But, I mean, Yandel offensively is their best 
defenseman. He's the best defenseman they've had offensively since Brian Leach. The guy's got 37 assists this year. That's more assists than Derek Stepan. Uh, I know he's a, a minus player, but I don't look at plus minus. It depends on the team you're on. I, I mean, you got guys in the Rangers. Rick Nash is plus 23. I mean, Yandel's on the Rangers. He's plus 20 this year. He's not minus, you know, 30, but he is uh, out in Arizona. So I understand this move from the aspect of the Rangers are looking at their team and saying, what do we need? We need somebody that can help run the power play, and we need somebody that can help uh, get the puck out of the offensive zone. Yandel's just that. I mean, this is, this is a brilliant move on behalf of Taylor. Uh, and the other thing that's going on said here, it's thinking about the transition that they went through from Saturday to Sunday. Because Saturday, all the, were, all the talk on Twitter was them trading Max Zuccarello uh, because because it wasn't coming to a contract extension. Now, on Sunday, it goes to they acquire Keith Yandel. They don't give up anybody off the roster except for John Moore. And because the Coyotes are taking half the salary, they're able to re-sign Max Zuccarello. I mean, that's just an unbelievable transition in two days. Yeah, and I think, you know, when people bring up the plus-minus, it's like the only argument they can make against uh, Yandel because the same thing happened with Nash when they're like, oh, you're getting a minus-19 player from Columbus. But since he's been on the Rangers, he's been plus-16, plus-10, and plus-22. So obviously that's, you know, more of the more of the thing about him playing with Arizona and being on such a bad team. And you talk about Zuccarello, who when it first was reported the other day that he's looking for, you know, five and a half plus money, it was almost like a Ryan Callahan situation where he was being given bad advice from his agent or someone because he's just not that type of player. He doesn't have the history, you know, for to, to you know get that type of money. He doesn't have the stats. He's never been a 20-goal scorer. Uh, while he's a good complementary piece, a good secondary scoring piece, makes the players around him better, he, he himself hasn't really put up the numbers to warrant that type of money. So to see him... You know, getting this, uh, you know, this 18 million uh, or whatever it's going to end up coming over four years, that seems like more of the Matt Zuccarello money. And maybe that was just, you know, falsely reported information the other day that that sort of, uh, you know, went viral among Ranger fans and among the hockey world. But it seems like there, there's no way they could have been this far apart. It seems like this was the type of money Zuccarello was going to command all along. He might have been able to get a little bit more on the free agency market, but I don't really see anyone crazily overpaying for this guy who's never broken the 20 goal barrier. I don't think it. it I don't think it was false information at all. I think it was a scare tactic up by Sather. Um, you know, Sather has smart people around him. He's been doing this for a million years. You know, you, you what you do is you got a guy who wants to make a lot of money who's demanding a lot of money, maybe it's his agent doing it, and you say, fine, we're not going to pay that, but we're going to trade you. And you're on right now the best team in the East, or one of the best teams in the East, and we're going to trade you a team where you're going to be irrelevant. And you can immediately see the guy go, okay, well, they're not, you know, we, we, I saw them trade the captain last year, so they're not bluffing, so maybe I should lower my demands. And I think, in essence, that's exactly what happened. I think things played out, at least for Zuccarello. Now, I don't know... I guess the Yandel thing, they've been talking to the Coyotes for a couple weeks, and then it really picked up on Saturday. Um, so maybe that's just coincidental that those things worked out at the same time. But I, I think that was not that was no joke. That, that was completely planted by Sather and the Rangers to get that out in the media, to have Elaine a, a Vigneault on Saturday when he meets the media say, well, we know Sather doesn't block, you know, because he traded Callahan last year, and, and a plan that it worked exactly to how the Rangers wanted to get Matt Zuccarello and his agent because obviously they want to keep him here. He's been a good player for them uh, to lower his demands to something more reasonable. And I think the contract is very reasonable. Four and a half for a guy who's going to be on your second line. He might fill into your first line occasionally uh, when need be. Although I don't think the Rangers' lines mean much because they have three lines that can score. Um, I think they got fair market value for a guy, and it's good to see him. He's, he's 28 years old. He's going to be here for the next four years. And, you know, that's the kind of guy you want in your roster at a reasonable rate. 
Well, the Rangers end up getting rid of Lee Stepniak, too, who hasn't, you know, he, he's been all right. He's been pretty good. I mean, he had those two goals the other night, uh, has nine he's goals. He's a fourth-line flyer. <laughs> yeah, he, I mean, he's, he's not awful, but to get rid of him and then uh, they clear some money there, then they give up the draft pick, they bring back James Shepard. So ultimately it's basically Stepniak to bring in Shepard um, to bring in some depth at center, which they haven't had. Now, I know you're big on these guys who were – former first-round picks because at some point, like you say, someone had to believe they were first-round talent, sort of like with Benoit Pouliot. This is what you used to tell me. So James Shepard comes in with uh, 21 goals career in 380 games, but he is that former first-round talent, you say, ninth pick overall in 2006. So I feel like you're excited about this move because I know you're very high on these guys who at one point in their life someone thought they were better than they are. Well, of course, that's always a bonus. And I think, honestly, the Rangers brought the best out of Benoit Pouliot. Because he was a former first-round pick, and he, despite him making some brutal offensive zone penalties and taking those, you know, they they got him a big contract, which I don't think he deserved, but they made him better than he was. Um, well, I think the most important thing about Shepard is they get a guy who, who's pretty consistent winning faceoffs, and that's something that they've been looking for. And Stepniak was solid for the team, a fourth-line guy with nine goals, a couple of game winners, uh, no complaints. He was a good Ranger. I'm actually disappointed to see him go, but I understand why. You need to clear a little bit of cap space um, and then bring in a guy like Shepard for the draft pick. Uh, look, you've been hearing for weeks now the Rangers need to pick up a guy who can win an extra faceoff. Uh, McClement uh, re-signed in Carolina, so he was off the table. Santarelli got traded from Toronto to Nashville, so he was off the table. So I thought they, I think the Rangers signed a guy who was maybe the third or fourth option, and they got him for you know a reasonable price, and he's still young. Um, obviously, there may be some untapped potential there. Uh, but I think he's going to be the guy that fits in well and uh, will be there to win some faceoffs when Dominic Moore is in on the ice. When I was uh, when these trades went down, I was texting um, with my friends from back home. We're also Rangers fans, and one of them brought up the good point about how you know to sort of go along with with your idea about this is how Brassard was sort of you know untapped potential first round pick, sixth overall, the same draft as Shepard. Um, never really lived up to what he was in Columbus, but he came to New York. You put him in, you know, better spots to succeed with better players around him, and now he's become, you know, a staple of this offense and and of a potential first place, um, you know, Cup contending team once again. So hopefully, you know, maybe Shepard can become what Broussard's become. Well, well I mean, well, no, not maybe Broussard. not that nuts, but the same idea. Hey, if you get a little more out of James Shepard than he's given his career, um, you know, that's a win. But I think primarily this is a depth forward who's going to win some face-offs for them. I think that's what they're looking at him for. Hey, but, you know, if, if he, the last uh, 20 games of the season, if he, score, you know, if he gets 12 points, I mean, I think that's a huge bonus. With all these trades going down yesterday, uh, the person who um, I-, I was saddest to see go was Duclair, but I was most happy when you know Nick Kiprios is tweeting that it's Dan Girardi going, and I'm tweeting about having to parade up to Canyon of Heroes in the uh, you know in the financial district today, and it doesn't happen, and you know, and it's John Moore instead. But it would have been so awesome to get rid of Dan Girardi and uh, to bring in Keith Yandel at the same time. I it would have been probably the best thing going, except for the Yankees somehow getting rid of Teixeira. Well, it's just a disagreement on that. I think the Rangers right now have the best six defensemen in the league. Um, I mean, the, the the six guys, Yandel, McDonough, Stahl, Girardi, Klein, Boyle, I don't know if the team could top that. Um, look, I understand that Stahl and Girardi got big money, but I have no issue rewarding homegrown guys that want to stay on the team. And if, you know, I know Stahl's had to, had an injury real to pass, you know, with the questions, the puck to the eye, you know, but he's a staple defensively. Uh, Girardi, again, a guy that's fearless, blocked a ton of shots, leads the team in hits. You know, I know he makes the occasional uh, mistake here and there, 
But, I mean, yeah, to me, I have no issue. I, I wish I could think of another sport I can compare it to. I'm sure there's a baseball comparison. You have to overpay guys on the blue line if you want them to play 20 minutes and walk a ton of shots. They should be rewarded for that. Um, so I, I understand some of the, the gripes with uh, players like Mark Stahl and Dan Girardi. But I have no issues with their contracts. Uh, and, uh, look, I think they're going to be key uh, components to the Rangers possibly winning a Stanley Cup. Well, you look at the Rangers right now, um, obviously with games in hand and the points and the winning percentage, they're technically above the Islanders. They just need to win those games in hands to make it possible. Um, right now, the Rangers, I mean, you, you look around the other seven teams that are going to the playoffs. Let's say say the Bruins are in because they have that those four-point lead over uh, Florida, or two-point lead over Florida right now. Um, right now, who scares you the most? I, to me, it's still Montreal. I feel like you know, with Price in that series last year, things might have gone differently. It would have been a lot harder than it was or seemed for the Rangers to get by them. Um, to me, it's Montreal and Tampa Bay are the two teams I'd like to avoid. Hopefully, they could get knocked out before the Rangers see them. But when it comes to, you know, Pittsburgh and the Islanders inside the Metro, I'm not as scared of them as maybe other people are or the way that we used to be worried about Pittsburgh. I mean, look, whenever you play Pittsburgh, you have to fear the big names. You know who they have. I don't even want to mention their names. Um, but the Rangers, I think, are... are much or a much more complete team than the Pittsburgh Penguins right now, so I don't worry about them. The Islanders, to me, they've obviously had the Rangers number this year in the regular season. There's no doubt about it. But, you know, again, a team with very little playoff experience, despite that series with the Penguins a couple of years ago. Uh, I know Halak's had a good playoff run earlier in his career, but he's played a lot of games this year, and you see what happens when they put Chad Johnson in. Uh, obviously not as good as Cam Talbot as a backup goaltender. Um, so, you know, again, I, I don't know if I fear them. I wouldn't want to play that. It's just the, the stress of that series might be too much for me physically. Um, but I, I, I agree with you. I, I don't know so much about Tampa Bay because, you know, I, I, they've got a good couple of players. Johnson's become a big-time player. We all know what Stamkos is. Um, but I, I question their defense. I know they've said it, Braden Colburn, but their defense and goaltending to me is a little shady. The team I 100% agree with you is Montreal. Now, as much as I hate Carey Price, he is a top-notch goaltender. Uh, they just added Jeff Petrie, uh, another solid piece they could put in there. Uh, you know, who knows what they're going to do before the trade deadline ends. I still think they need to add another forward, and they could do that. Uh, I think they're going to you know, obviously you're looking at a team that looks at the Rangers and says, well, they beat us last year. We want to beat them this year. So if they meet up, I, I think that's a seven-game series and coin toss that seventh game. You know, maybe you pick the Rangers because they have one quest and how good he is in Game 7. Uh, but, yeah, I agree with you. The Montreal Canadiens is the team that I would love to avoid on that path to getting back to the Stanley Cup Final. And I know you've always said in the past how it's always, you know, you've always felt like the West was stronger than the East, but I feel like this year it's sort of flip-flopped. Oh, I agree with you, man. I said it before, and uh, it's shocking. I mean, you look at the West, and obviously those teams are good. The Kings have been on fire. Um, you know, the Blackhawks are the Blackhawks, but, you know, they just lost Patrick Kane for possibly the rest at least the rest of the uh, regular season, you don't know when he's going to come back to the playoffs. They added for Met. Obviously, he's nowhere near the talent of Kane. Uh, the Ducks are always are always a tough team. Uh, the Predators have been the best team in the league all year. But I think if you look at the East, just the balance of power. You know, the Islanders have been rejuvenated. The Canadians are great. The Bruins are still the Bruins, despite their struggles. The Rangers, are, we all know what they are. Uh, the Lightning have become one of the top teams. So I definitely agree with you. The power has shifted to the East as far as the competitive nature. The Red Wings are obviously uh, as good as anybody, and they could pick up the uh, rumored uh, possibly be in the mix with Deion Spinoff, and who knows in this 15-minute conversation, it might have added him. I've been looking at Twitter. Um, 
so I agree with you, man. The East is as good as it gets right now, and um, you know it makes for a very interesting situation because traditionally you go out to the Stanley Cup final and you think the team in the West is always the team with the advantage. I don't think it's going to be the case this year. Yeah, and I think that's uh, at least good news for the Rangers. And when you you look across the West, like you said, the Kings are on fire. The Blackhawks now have the issue with um, Kane out, so they've they've always been the two favorites, at least for the few year, last few years. Were again this year, so maybe it won't be as easy as it has been for them in the past. Um, you know, looking ahead here down the road, we haven't talked in a while. We haven't done a podcast in a while, but now that. It's the home stretch, and we're getting closer to the playoffs. We'll we'll talk more, but you look ahead to that that May second date, Bonzo, with uh, the, the Derby, the NHL playoffs, Yankees, Red Sox, this Pacquiao Mayweather fight. Um, it has potential to be, you know, I know the Derby is your great your your favorite thing, but that might be the fourth most important thing that day. And I, you know, that's fine with me, Max. That's a, uh, you know, hopefully you have some warm weather. You know, you got a full day of racing at Churchill. You got the fight at night that people are going to be locked into baseball. Play, uh, the NHL playoffs, the NBA playoffs be going on, but nobody cares. Um, you know, yes, yeah, the second day, I think it's the second day of the NFL draft. Uh, a lot going on. You know, hopefully, uh, you know, it's a good day for sports and we can all make a little money at the Kentucky Derby. And maybe by May 2nd, A-Rod will have his 10th home run for you. <laughs> Team A-Rod all the way. Let's go. I know. I can't... Uh... I know you have to deal with people calling about him all the time. Has the has the calls been you know more for or against him? Sixty forty against him, I would say. Uh, the people that are against him, though, to me, are, are the people that are all for some reason against steroids altogether, and they they what bothers me about the A Rod thing is people take what he's done so personally, and I don't understand that because <laughs> he's hurt nobody. They, he's hurt nobody but himself, and he's tried to make himself a better player, and that's what the Yankee fans should be grateful that he wanted to be great for the team. No, I agree. I said that all along. I mean, he's doing this to help try to, you know, be better. And in turn, when he's better, they're better. They win more, you know. So, granted, uh, he's broken the rules and the rules put in place by Major League Baseball. But he's he's done it to try to be better and win and along the lines make more money. And he's done all those things. So, you know, I like him. I can't fault him for that. And um, I think you have to like him going into this season because there there's so many question marks on that team, especially in the lineup of, you know, maybe there's – maybe, you know, Teixeira can do this. Maybe Beltran can do this and McCann and Ellsbury and A-Rod's another one of those question marks and they're going to need some of those to pan out if they want to contend and um, if A-Rod with a year off and rested can be anything like he was even a few years ago that uh, they've gotten a huge steal even though people want them to just cut him or release him outright. Now if the Yankees are going to be good A-Rod's going to have to be a big part of it because uh, their offense is certainly going to struggle without him. All right Monza well we got uh, about five six weeks left in this season uh, 21 games to go for the Rangers. They're going to the playoffs, which we can say for the first time this early uh, in the season in a long time because it seems like we're always waiting until game you know, 80 or 81, sometimes even 82 for them to clinch a playoff spot. So it feels good to know that they're going to be there. Uh, we'll talk a lot more down the stretch and as we get into the playoffs. Um, so you know, enjoy your deadline day. I know it's one of your most favorite days of the year. And uh, maybe the Rangers will, will get back to work and get some more pieces and make the team even better as we head to the playoffs. And they pulled a miracle off and somehow land Phil Kessel. <laughs> that would be nice. That would uh, that would add some nice scoring to to them. I'm not the biggest Kessel guy, but it would at least make uh, the deadline more flashy. I wouldn't count on it, but it, uh, it'll be a good day. I'll see you later.